Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, helping you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. It's all right here for you with this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. Remember to visit us online, too, at besteveryou.com. And now here's your host, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. Anita, welcome. Welcome to the Best Ever You Show. Thank you so much for being here with us. Oh, thank you, Elizabeth. I'm so happy to be here. And it's so good to see you again after all these years. <laughs> that was so, thank you so much for all your help with me as a new author. I just, I appreciate you helping me navigate and so forth. Um, but boy, look at that. You have this beautiful new Bold Brave You book out called Sensitive is the New Strong. Um, when did that, did it release yet? Or is it, is today the today today I thought it was today 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 is the release date it's exciting today is the day and this is the day I'm talking to you oh it's beautiful yeah thank you so much for for sharing in the launch and um oh gosh what's it feel like to have this book out there it feels really good it took me three years to write it um I mean when I say it took me three years because I was traveling so much and so this book was brewing in my head since 2017, I started in 2017. I finished it in 2020. Um, and I think that I went back and changed and tweaked it a, a bit like during the pandemic, during while we were under lockdown and everything. Um, although I don't talk about COVID in the book at all, but I do, but I do talk about um, the emotions we feel and and I think it enriched that experience kind of added a little more depth to the book about how how empaths kind of take on the emotions of the world so yeah I would love for you to just give us a little bit of an education about what an empath is sure so basically um I would start by saying that that for sensitive people there is a spectrum, you know, if you consider yourself sensitive, if you cry easily, um, you fall in a spectrum of how much sensitivity you feel. And at one end, the lowest end of the spectrum, you don't feel things like basically you don't cry easily and other people's stories don't touch you. And I think there's very, very few people that fall into that end of the spectrum. And I guess those would probably be labeled as um, um, sociopaths or something like that but on the other end of the spectrum as we get higher and higher sensitivity at the extreme end um i would say are empaths and again there aren't a whole lot of empaths it's a small percentage but um what it means to be an empath is that you are so sensitive to the needs of other people and to the world that you literally feel it in your own body it affects your body's chemistry. So that's how I would classify an empath. And I believe that Dr. Judith Orlov, who wrote um, the Empath Survival Guide, and I quote her in my book as well, because she really also put out um, a lot of information on what it means to be an empath. And my understanding, and when I read that, my understanding was that, oh, an empath feels it in their body. And I had 
always felt things in my body my entire life. And I thought that's how everybody feels. I thought that was normal. It was only when I realized the term empath, when I understood what it was, and when I realized that only about 2% of the population, if, if that, are empaths, that's when it struck me like, oh my God, other people don't feel things in their body. I'm different. So that came as a huge um, breakthrough, awakening for me. And, and normally, I don't like to use labels. I would not have, you know, I would have said, oh yeah, I don't like to label people as empath or whatever. But the thing is, I don't see this as a label because the way I define labels is if something confines you and restricts you and boxes you in, then it's a label. But if something helps you to understand who you are to the point of setting you free and expanding you, then it's not a label. And that's what discovering about empaths did for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's that kind of feeling I had around you. I think that's maybe why I like followed you like a duckling or something. In because I just had that. I'm like, oh, I just love her. It was like an energy about you and a presence in a way. It was it was so calming in a, in a flurry of activity. I think that's what it was for me. And I'm just like, oh, who's calm? You know, kind of thing. Did you, did you, have you really deep down always known you were like this? Or did you have a moment where you were like, aha, that's what explains this feeling. So I, I have always, um, I have always been like this my entire life, but I think the realization that not everybody is like this was a big aha. It's that was, that was, that probably just happened in the last, I don't know, few years, five, six, seven years that I discovered that, oh my gosh, not everybody feels this way. That, that was a huge aha for me. Yeah. That, that, uh, and, and so then there was this clarity, this feeling of clarity. Oh, that's why people are able to do stuff or watch stuff or um, do stuff to other people that I can't do. I just can't do it. And that led me on a whole path to discovery. Um, it was huge. It was amazing because I started to understand why being an empath makes it harder for you to actually earn money, things like that, you know, makes it harder for you to earn money because you almost feel guilty taking money from people because empaths, the work they do is more heart-based. And when you do work that's heart-based, it's harder to charge for it. And so it's easier for non-empaths to do work that's not heart-based and, 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 and to charge tons of money for it. And so I started to think, but that's, that's not, that's not fair on empaths because we need people to do heart-based work, but they shouldn't be struggling. They should be rewarded. And so that's what got me on this path to really, to, 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 you know, and what got me to write this book, Sensitive is the New Strong. What I'm trying to say is sensitive needs to be the new strong. It needs to be identified as a gift and a strength, not as a weakness, which is what we've been doing until now. Oh, I um, love it. Yeah, you're helping us step into our power. That's what I wanted to do. I love and, that. And, and if I can just add one more thing. Oh, is please, that, sorry. Um, so, you know, even when, when Wayne Dyer discovered my story and brought me out into the limelight and everything, and I was, I was kind of thinking that, that wow, um, you know, it, it, it looks amazing on the outside, but on the inside as an empath, 
I was feeling everybody's emotions and and so people who wanted my help and and uh, and so you know I was just feeling all these emotions and I wanted to help everybody and it would make me feel guilty that I couldn't help everybody that wanted my help yeah. and so I started to seek out mentors when I discovered I was an empath I thought okay let me see if I can find any empath leaders who have made it in the world as empaths and have helped millions of people. Um, and I started to seek them out to see as a role model, basically, because I thought somebody has to have done it before me. Yeah. Um, and so uh, somebody like an, another empath has to have done this and succeeded and, and, and helped lots of people and been okay about it. And so as I started to seek out role model empaths, I started to think, okay, which role models, famous people out there are empaths. And these are the names I came up with when I started to think, Gandhi. Oh yeah. Um, Mother Teresa, Edgar Cayce. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing, here's the thing. As I would come up with these names, I realized one thing all of them died poor and destitute. Mm -hmm. And um, Edgar Casey, I know, got sick because he, and he wasn't even old, he was actually quite young. And I, I, so I read his story. I took an interest in Edgar Casey and I read his story and realized he was definitely an empath, but they didn't have that term at that time. Um, but he felt so guilty not being able to help all the people that would write to him that he started to become sick and drained. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting because I got cancer because I was sick and drained from being an empath and being there for everyone else except me. Oh, yeah. And so, and, and Edgar's doctor told him that you have to limit yourself to just doing three readings or helping three people a day. But he couldn't do that with all the people that were writing to him. He couldn't do that. And eventually he passed away. Mm -hmm. And I thought, isn't it interesting that I can't think of one empath who has actually been able to um, manage their gifts in a way that has nurtured them and helped them to live long, healthy, um, happy, abundant lives. Not one, I couldn't think of one. And I thought, I don't want to be someone who dies poor and destitute and sick. No. And, you know, I, I was smiling as you were talking a little bit because it was neat to me. I smiled because you made that connection between yourself and um, the biology of what happens to us when we're drained and sick and so forth. And I, I really like that you mentioned Bruce Lipton in your book. I, yes. I thought that was really wise and, and so forth. I, I really, um, I'm, I'm a person who has um, developed lifelong food allergies, uh, really life-threatening, I meant life-threatening food allergies um, at the age of 25, just drained and exhausted and so forth. And I've nearly died, left us twice from food allergic reactions. But wow. The whole thing. And um, so I think it's, can you go there for me? for a minute to talk about that because the biology associated with this is um, really interesting. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I did quote Bruce Lipton. So Bruce Lipton is amazing. I love him. He's a dear friend as well. And I just resonated with his work because he talks about how our biology actually changes depending on what we believe and how we think. And so to me, it's so important to understand that, particularly if you are an empath, because when you're an empath, you feel your emotions in your biology, you feel it in your body and you feel the emotions of other people. So we have to ask ourselves when we're feeling unwell and when we're feeling sick, is this mine or have I just taken it on? Am I wearing someone else's emotions or is it the energies of what's happening around me? Because basically in the end, we are all energy. We are energy and we alter our physical chemistry with our emotions. And so if you're feeling sad and stressed and depleted, um, then it's gonna affect your biology. But here's the thing, when you're an empath, um, because you feel the emotions of the people around you, what happens is without realizing it, we, we feel down when we're with people who are down. And what we end up doing is we end up needing them to feel better so that we can feel better. So then what happens with empaths is like when we're around people who are unhappy, um, we have this, um, this need to make them happy so that we will feel happy because as long as they are unhappy and if we're close to them in relationship, if they are our family members or someone we love, We really not just want them to be happy, we need them to be happy so that we can be happy. Otherwise we feel their unhappiness and we feel it in our own body. And so the first step is to recognize that we have a tendency to do this. That really is the first step. It's to recognize, oh, I have a tendency to do this. So what tools can I use to mitigate that and to help me? Because if that person, wants to be unhappy or is not ready to to flick the switch to towards happiness it should not affect us we need to develop tools so that we can be protected from being unhappy because they are unhappy Mm. so that's yeah that's really where my work began because that's when i started to think okay what kind of tools can we develop Yes. So tell us, what kind of tools can we have in our little life toolkit here to to help us? I I know there there are a lot of them here. Um, Do you can you maybe touch on one or one or two really key things that people could take? Yes. Yes. So a couple of the things that I touch on, I mean, one of the things that are really important for empaths is to be able to remove themselves physically from a situation. So, um, and so, so actually the first thing is to recognize that this is happening. So when you recognize that, oh, okay, these emotions are not mine, this belongs to someone else. And then we need to feel okay with removing ourselves, but without judgment. So one of the things that empaths have a tendency to feel is, is sort of like, um, um, Oh, I I should be helping them. Who am I to remove myself when they need my help? You know, we tend to kind of say that to ourselves and say, oh, if I remove myself or if I put up a boundary, then that's being judgmental towards them. And I'm saying that they're bad. No, you're not saying they're bad. 
they are not bad. They are not wrong. They have their life and their moods and their emotions. We need to honor that and give them the space to be who they are while we take space to be who we are and, uh, and uh, separate from theirs. We need to realize that my space and my emotions and my energy is mine and I need to identify what is mine um, versus what is theirs. Because an empath, again, what we need to realize is that we cannot separate the emotions of other people's from our own. When somebody is feeling bad, we tend to, um, we tend to prioritize their emotions and their feelings over our own, if you're an extreme empath. Do you relate to that at all, Elizabeth? Totally. You do, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just trying to jump out of my seat going like this. This is a great book. <laughs> so it's like it's like a toolkit to, to living your life fully as an empath. And to I mean, there's words in here. I mean, ab abundance, fearless, self-esteem. I mean, there's some big words right there to really give people their to feel to feel better, braver, bolder. I don't know what, you know, just. <laughs> all of it i mean look at the beautiful smile on your face and and uh, the energy behind this book is just so it's just so like pure uh, thank you you're very kind I, I i really um put a lot of myself into this book because this is really i wrote this i wrote this book for for me in a sense because this is what i needed to know to survive in this world as an empath because I could tell that after Wayne Dyer came into my life, that my life was getting bigger and bigger. And really, I only started discovering this after he passed away, because in a way, he was like in, in this world, in this genre, he was like my protector. He was like my buffer between the world and me. When he was gone, I actually struggled with how big my life had become. And this book was born after that. It was like, that was when I discovered I was an empath and discovered why I was struggling and then went on this journey to find a role model. And I was like, okay, I don't want to die, you know, sick and poor and destitute. <laughs> no, no, we don't um, at all. And um, so, you know, I, I love the, you know, I, I think of this a lot. I was reading, I was reading your book and I wrote down three words also with this. I wrote down, um, and we talk about this a lot on Best Over You, but remember your value. I know that's yes. not, will you just take that just out of the blue? I'm sorry, I just threw that at you, but can you just take oh, that and tell me what that like means to you? Remember oh, wow. You. I love that. Remember your value because empaths um, tend to forget their own true worth and their own true value because they feel the emotions of others so strongly. And I remember um, even growing up and as a youngster and even in my 20s and 30s, um, I was always helping other people solve their problems. Everybody else's problem um, to me was more important than my problems. And so I was always there for everyone, but I was never there for myself. And I actually tell people, remember your worth, which is exactly okay. the same as remember your value. <laughs> yeah. Remember your value. Because what happened with me is that um, when my best friend was diagnosed with, uh, with cancer, I was shocked. I was shocked as if it, would, it had happened to me. 
And I was living it with her and I was feeling everything she was feeling with her. And I didn't know consciously what I was doing, that I was literally absorbing it. I didn't know it on a conscious level, but it was just who I was. And so I was there with her. I wasn't able to even go and have fun and laugh and have a good time while she was suffering because she had a very dire prognosis. Um, It was an aggressive form of cancer and she had kids. And so I was there helping her, supporting her, doing stuff for her. Um, And even when I had issues in my life, I neglected them because I kept thinking mine are nothing compared to her problems. And I just prioritized her life over mine. And things started piling up in my life. Relationships were neglected and things like that because her everything that in her life just felt so much bigger to me because she was dying of cancer. Right. And then one day, um, one day I felt a lump on my neck and I went and had it biopsied. I went to the doctor and the doctor feared the worst and biopsied it and said, you have lymphoma. And then after the scans, they said, you have stage two, uh, which means it's already spread to a quarter of your body. Um, That came as a shock to me. But here's the thing. Um, There was a piece of me that felt, ah, now I get to take care of myself. And, And so when I say know your worth, what I mean is that know you are worth taking care of, regardless of what is happening in the outside world. You do not need an illness as an excuse to be worthy and deserving of love and care. You do not need an illness. And this is so important. Um, And the other thing I wanted to say is that I manifested an illness that had to be as big as cancer. So people say to me that, you know, does that mean that if you're an empath and you get drained and all, I mean, does it have to be like such a big wake up call? Here's the thing. I had lots of little wake up calls, lots of little ones. I ignored them because none of my problems were big enough for me to feel that that I was worthy of being taken care of. With every problem I was facing, I was like, oh, this is nothing compared to what she's going through. This is nothing compared to what she's going through until the universe said, here, take exactly what she's going through. Now, now are you ready to, to look at yourself and take care of yourself? (laughs) So I tell people, don't wait for that. You're worthy. You are a child of the divine. You are a child of God. You came here. Your soul came here with a purpose and it did not come here to be treated second best or second rate or to be suppressed. It came here for a reason. And when you don't love yourself, when you don't value yourself, when you don't see yourself as worthy, you are suppressing that facet of God or that soul that came here to express itself. And you don't have a right to do that. You know, do you know when we, when we feel like we've got that, we've got the worth and the value and the so forth, but then we drift away from it to the point where we like can't recognize yourself or something. I just did that um, when after my dad died. Uh, my dad died. Um, you know, he's the topic of one of my books. And my dad died in October um, of 2018. And um, I, aside from the whole grief, I'm sorry to hear that. Thank, thank you. Yeah, it was, uh, it, uh, rock. Anyway, um, 
you drift and then somebody it's almost like you have to hear you or hear somebody else and you come back in and you're like oh there's my worth and value it's really hard to when somebody passes away or when you have something to 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 I'm not going to articulate this perfectly so feel free to please interrupt but you feel like you can't figure out what matters or where it's a really it's a really interesting feeling like just like what you're saying kind of like I, I that just happened so I can't be happy that just happened so I can't do this that just happened you know that whole thing I yes. feel like that perfectly but if you can make sense of me it would be nice <laughs> totally um I I totally get it because grief grief is deep grief can actually throw you off your center it really can completely and um you know and and if and I can sense you were really close to your dad. And so this was big for you. So I I can just imagine you have to just allow yourself to heal and be kind to yourself while you're going through grief. Um, and I know people when they lose a partner, a spouse, then they feel guilty feeling happy again without their spouse there. See, that's that's another one. And whereas they need to know that maybe their spouse is actually on the other side helping them to find that happiness again and even in your case elizabeth maybe your dad is actually helping you to find your way back so Gosh, give I, him a chance to help you yeah i gotta tell you the story so you know up until 20 in the very beginning of 2020 i was just like oh this is just you know whole year of 2019 just grieving with with everything and i met this gal randomly in a group of 300,000 people after praying to my father to meet her and it was just so, I mean, random. Do you want to learn Zoom? Yep. How about seven minutes from now? Yep. And we are doing everything now from books to books to coach, you know, just, it's just so different. And wow. like the moment I met her, the grief faucet shut off. That was so interesting. Wow. You see, your dad orchestrated that. Your dad, you see, I... I still feel Wayne Dyer's hand in my in okay. in everything I do. I feel he's helping me with this book launch because, yeah. um, okay, so I am going to say it. So today, the day of the book launch is my birthday. And here's what's, do you know what's really interesting? 10 years ago today is the day that um, Hay House wrote to me and said, Wayne Dyer discovered your story and oh, would like it. I <laughs> that's what tells me that Wayne Dyer had a hand in this it's like uh, he orchestrated it for me to be on my birthday because that's the sign because he discovered me on my birthday uh, 10 years ago oh he's totally everywhere what a what a neat person I have the pleasure of knowing his daughters and I love them and she was another person we met randomly at that Denver event and just met like just Matt, I'm like, oh, who are you? I didn't know who she was at all. And Sky, I met Sky out of the blue. Oh, she's lovely. They I all love are. I love her. his daughters. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she yeah. took me under her wing, kind of like you did a little bit. And um, that made me feel okay in a really big setting where I was not knowing what I was doing <laughs> at all. So um, I'm so excited for you. Um, out of respect for your time, I've got like two minutes, but so excited for you. This is a fantastic book. I can't wait to go onto Amazon and write my review. I have several copies purchased already. And um, I just, is there in, you know, I know it's a short amount of time. I hope sometime you'll come back and, and talk again. We just love you. Big, big, big fans. Um, is there anything you want else that you want to cover before we go? 
And happy um, birthday. I feel like I need a oh, cake and a song. I'd eat the cake though, sorry. <laughs> I would too. Yeah, I can eat cake anytime. Um, oh, oh gosh, what would I, well, I would love all empaths to know that, um, that you are a gift in the world, all of you. The world needs you. The world needs you to shine your light. You need to value yourself because the world needs more compassion, empathy, sensitivity. <clears throat> And these, and, and we need to see these traits as strengths, not as weaknesses, as strengths, if we want to continue to evolve the human race. And um, because we can't, we couldn't keep going the way we were going. We just couldn't. The answer or evolution does not depend on ruthlessness and competition. And it, it now it depends on empathy, compassion, collaboration. Yeah. So yeah, that's the, those are the words I'd like to leave you with. And, uh, and don't be afraid to love yourself and to value yourself and see your own true self-worth. Oh, spoken from the... From Anita. <laughs> Epic. Um, I would like people to know your website. Oh, yeah, I'm just such a, yeah, you can tell. I'm following you around in the elevator again. Sorry, Anita. Um, <laughs> I love it. You're, 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 I love you as well. I really do. And I'm so happy how far you've come since that time we met. I'm so oh, happy for you. Thank you. Yeah. It's so happy. You can't believe it. I, <laughs> yeah. I will share you with the world as well. Well, you know, it's it's moments like that where somebody takes the time with another human being to just sort of make sure they're okay. And that is exactly what you did with me because you knew for some reason you knew I was not okay in that moment. And it also makes me tear up a little bit. And whether you were totally aware of, you know, it's it just so uncomfortable. And you took the time with me to be like, I got you. <laughs> it was so sweet. Anyway, um, Anita, um, I'm going to put your website up to go with the interview and we'll make sure our entire community through Twitter to Facebook to LinkedIn to everywhere knows about your book um, and, and as much as we can do to, to pass the word along and to get this book into the hands of people that it can can truly make a difference in your lives because I read it and it made a big difference in mine. So I'm really grateful. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you for that. That means a lot to me. All right, everybody. Take care, everybody. And thank you so much for listening to us. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the Best Ever You Show. Want more? Visit us at besteveryou.com. Be your best and keep it real. Confident, successful, caring, and beautiful every day with Best Ever You. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.